date when, as a parent, your only quiet time is in the car. Um, I hate to admit it, but I make most of my phone calls, um, etc., while I'm in the car. And fortunately, this is a very long car ride. I had to drive up to Linfield, Mass. And so I'm on my way back. Before the traffic, it's terrible. So we'll go from here. Anyway, um, I was really going to focus on self-care uh, this week, and I, I wanted to express the importance of self-care, um, and I will probably address that next week, but uh, I had an incident come up recently, and this isn't the first time I've encountered it. Uh, apparently, this is a, I don't say this is a common thing, I, I don't want to say that, that I believe that everybody has good intentions when they work in the counseling field, when they work with, when they dedicate their career to people who need mental help, mental, whether it be just basic counseling to work through some stresses or um, true mental illness um, to physical ailments. Like, I really believe that people get into that field because they have passion. And I think it's really important to understand that um, when dealing with people. However, not everybody is good at their job. And I have to admit, with the way the systems are set up in this state, uh, I'm in Massachusetts, um, everything is very compartmentalized and very broken down. And um, sometimes the level of care is not what it should be. Uh, I had uh, an incident prior. My daughter had ABA therapy. Uh, my daughter is autistic, so ABA therapy is the natural spot for her. And we waited on wait lists for two years. I never heard from any of those people on those wait lists, I might add. Um, those wait lists were facilitated through a care coordinator, and when we terminated the care coordination services due to lack of need, group decision that wasn't like anybody went bad um, I, I never knew who to contact about those wait lists so that fell by the wayside which is absolutely deplorable I might add that there should be a, a full handoff of information when a service is terminating um, so that first off second of all I had to get my own ABA services and um, fell up happened upon some information about a new company that that was I should say it was new to our area. They were not a new company. Um, but they just started doing services in our area. So I reached out, got her on the list. It was probably like six months from contact to start uh, just because of you know insurance information has to transpire. They have to get people in our area. Like Massachusetts is a beast. I mean, it is a beast of a state. I come from the West Coast and I know, I lived in San Diego. Like I know that San Diego definitely is a huge county and there's some big sprawling areas um, and I didn't have to do services in a city like that um, I was in Las Vegas prior and you know, they were really good about getting people in our area and I mean to drive across town was nowhere near as crazy as like San Diego or, or Phoenix but um, in Massachusetts there's many towns clustered together and so the service areas are broken out very differently. Um, so anyways, they had to hire someone for us and they were able to hire someone, but a lot 
lot of these people that facilitate these home services are uh, doing other jobs. This is an expensive part of the country to live in. You know, we're like the third most expensive city in, in the country. So a lot of these people are doing multiple jobs in school, etc. And I can tell you that was our issue with the ABA. And she was given four instructions. And I went from having a therapy that's supposed to be wonderful and beneficial for my child that ended up causing my child to have to go to the hospital a couple of times with injuries um, because they just kept pushing my child too hard. They, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And I have to tell you, with a lot of these care services, it's the same thing over and over again and we're getting the same result and they just keep going, oh, we need to just keep pushing. We just need to keep pushing. Well, when do you as a parent say, that's enough, we're done pushing this? And, and, and I think you really have to trust your best judgment. You know your child, you know what your child's capable of, and you know what your child can handle. You live with them every single day. Well, with my ABA experience, I didn't understand what ABA therapy was fully. I didn't know what it was to look like. I had never heard of it before. And um, this was something new to me. So in that instance, I just didn't know. However, um, I really wish I had been more informed. I wish that, I mean, I tried to do my research, but I wish other people told me what it should look like. It's after the fact. I always get, oh, that's not what it's supposed to do. Oh, no, you need to be more flexible. Oh, no, and my daughter has a combination disorder. So she's not only autistic, but she's also bipolar. So while pushing someone with autism and you know persuading them maybe a little bit more and pushing a little more might be great for them because eventually they just get a little more and a little more and a little more. I mean, my daughter struggles with sensory issues and while we didn't know it at the time, that's how we got her adjusted over time was we just kind of kept putting in her situations where she would have to deal with it until she couldn't anymore and then we would leave. And then we'd push her a little bit further the next time and a little bit further the next time. However, my child does not do certain kind of talking and emotions. She doesn't understand them and then, but she feels them so much stronger with the bipolar. And so she just, it's, it's like a sensory overload for her and she can't process it. So putting her in a state where she has to, it overwhelms her to the point where she can't. And she freaks out, goes berserk, and then we have medical issues, property damage, um, things like that. I mean, we've had we've had therapists get hurt just on accident. They weren't even intended to be hurt, but they got hit by something that went sideways. Um, I had one woman that had had stitches, and that wasn't her fault at all. That was just my child had a meltdown. So, um, anyways. I did not have the knowledge of this therapy and therefore after a month they lasted four weeks they you know said okay this is enough we can't work with this kid anymore it's, it's done and they closed out services um, with no follow-up services which is actually illegal in the state of Massachusetts so if y'all are in mass there you go <laughs> they are not allowed to do that however there's really no repercussions for it um, that I found I mean I can file a complaint <laughs> but I have a million other things to do on my plate 
However, recently, and actually this was yesterday, we had an issue with a, a therapist. And again, my daughter does not process emotions well. Unfortunately, a lot of the therapy in the state is very based on, is very much based on uh, talking things out. You have a lot of talking therapy. Well, my kid doesn't talk. <laughs> she likes play therapy. She likes board games. So therapy needs to be done in a format like that. And unfortunately, I will say many of our providers has not, have not been able to accommodate that um, as well as our providers in Las Vegas did. Um, and we miss them very much. We love you. <laughs> but um, I had a provider yesterday who insisted on talking a situation through that took place at school. And I told the woman, no, we're not going to talk about this because counselor has already been working through it with them and at that moment in time she had already worked it out with the kids that were involved and everything was hunky-dory we're not going to stir the pot it's not appropriate to create a problem where there isn't one um, just so that she can quote-unquote work on coping skills um, that's not the approach that is appropriate for my daughter to work on coping skills excuse me coping skills um, this is obviously something that's a huge struggle for her, but again, that approach does not work. We've tried it over and over and over and over again for years. And again, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And as a parent, I would say my instinct says no on this because my daughter's never even once given a little bit of an inch into any of this. There's been no slight or subtle progress through these attempts. And in attempting this particular discussion, it would have created a problem where she would not participate. So I said, absolutely not. We're not going to have this discussion. Um, this of course did not take place in front of my child. Well, then the therapist took me into a private conversation and tried to explain to me why she felt like this was appropriate to have a conversation and I said absolutely not and tried to explain to her why I didn't feel like it was appropriate conversation and then she turned around and basically told me I was a bad parent and that I was um, I was focusing on I, all of these different things that she had basically picked up from the few months that well, I think it's probably been like six months that she's been working on us or working with us um and and of course these are things we've talked about before but again a limited perspective um I have other providers that work with us on a in the same capacity much more efficiently and my child doesn't storm out of the room just about every other visit and refuse to participate my child stays in the room and participates. I feel like as a therapist, you should have more than one tool in your bag. If this is your only tool, this is not the appropriate, you need to find more options. And I know my kid is enough, a tough nut. I've seen therapists struggle. We went through outpatient therapists with five of them in a year. I mean, it's, it's crazy. My, my daughter is a tough nut. She has personality conflicts with people. Like she is not the easiest kid to get along with. Um, and she's particular, but at this point in time, she is also a teenager. So <laughs> add the teenage emotions on top of everything 
else and we've got a whirlwind so no I'm not going to create a problem and at that point in time when she started attacking me I said that's it I'm done you're welcome to leave my home we're not having this session today and I left it at that and then I of course had threats being thrown at me about services being discontinued and whatnot and that was also inappropriate and unacceptable because I didn't say we weren't going to not have sessions at all but we're not going to have sessions today so that was what I said um, now because of the threats we're not having sessions at all and I have a meeting set up with a supervisor and I did request a different provider for our services um, or a different therapist from this provider there's so many different terminologies <laughs> so many different words terms that are out there they eventually get confusing and it depends on who you're talking to what they're talking about so sometimes I just look at people blankly going um there's too many words and acronyms here today <laughs> but anyway so I mean long story short relatively short and <laughs> we're about 13 and a half minutes in now long story relatively short I think it's really important as parents for you to know that you have the right to stand up and speak out. If something doesn't feel right about your kid's therapy, question it. Ask why, explain to people, or ask people to explain to you why they think this is appropriate and what the result that you should be expecting should be. Because if that result is not coming out, then maybe we should try something different. And if they're not fine with trying something different, then that's fine. They're welcome to leave. You are more than welcome to discontinue that service. I do understand that's easier said than done. I've been waiting for some of these services for three years. I've been waiting for, you know, many things for many years and on wait lists for many years for my child. And I know how difficult those wait times can be and going without, but I promise you, you will get through it. And sometimes you might just need a little downtime. Your kid might just need a little downtime. Just take a little break away from all the therapies if you can. If it's a crucial therapy, if it's life-determining therapies, obviously that's going to make a difference. But then you need to go to a supervisor and say, this person that is providing this service for my child, it's not doing it in a way that I think is appropriate would you please look into this and try to get to the bottom of it and if if there is something wrong ask them for a new person you know there's no harm in asking for a new person you're the parent you know the child better than they do you live with the child every day most of you and sometimes you just need to speak out and I think as parents with children with with disabilities you know, we get we get looked at differently, we get treated differently, we're very isolated. It's really easy to pick up on yourself and um, just, you know, you ask God all the time, why is this my life? God, why did you, <laughs> why did you do, you know, allow my child to have these things? It's, it's such a questionable thing, but ultimately, God didn't make it happen. <sighs> Excuse me. God didn't make it happen. But God did give, give us the strength to deal with it. And 
you do have the best judgment for this child because this is your child. You have the best interest for your child in every way. And you have every right to speak out and say something. Ask questions. At, I mean, I call my attorney for my daughter's school district stuff all the time. And I said, what should I expect with this? What can I look for with this? What's a time frame that this will take? What is, you know, I mean, of course this isn't going to be like pinpoint answers, but they can give ballparks. And I can tell you a good provider is going to give you ballparks. They're going to give you information and they're going to give you what you need. So if you just be a little proactive and just start by asking questions, you don't have to know it all. You're not a medical provider and nobody expects you to be one, but you can be knowledgeable. You can do research. And I know any parent that has a special needs child has done research because you wouldn't be getting the services that you need already if you weren't. So, you know, we do live in a country that has amazing medical, but sometimes it's not always the most accessible. And sometimes we have to drive for hours to get our kids what they need, Some or family members. I know some of us, maybe there aren't children, but they're family members. So I, I know that this is a burden that we carry. Um, Sometimes, you know, and this is kind of where the self-care comes in. Sometimes, you know, you just got to take care of yourself a little bit first. If that means you got to take a day off uh, from the therapies, if that means you need to ask someone for help, um, then do it. You need that. It's really important. Um, and I'll go more into this next week. But a, a friend of mine I was chatting with on Sunday, and I said to her, like oh my god you look amazing what are you doing she goes honestly I've been taking care of me she goes I've got my family and I love them and they are the most important things in the world to me she goes but but when you're on an airplane you have to put your mask on before you can help anyone else because you're of no use if you can't breathe you're of no use if you can't breathe so make sure that you ask the questions you need to ask and they give you the time of day and if they don't, they are not worth your time. They are not worth your energy. <clears throat> I can tell you right now, I have an 18-person medical team. And there are days where I feel like I'm suffocating. I am overwhelmed. And I have to manage every single one of these people on my own. I don't have a care coordinator anymore. Not that they've ever been of great assistance. Because I am very resourceful. I am extremely proactive. And I'm very blessed that I have previous experience working in the nonprofit sector and resourcing and networking and trying to get all the information possible for me. And I think that because I have that background, I'm able to do it better than most. But I just want to encourage you that, you know, you are no different than me. You are no worse off, no better off. You are more than capable of reaching out and asking questions. So if regardless of what situation you're in, you can always ask a question. There is no stupid question. Absolutely none. So, I mean, listen, take notes, ask follow-up questions. Don't be afraid. This is your child. This is your family member. And you are in, and you are caring for them. Obviously, you care enough to 
sorry, I'm driving and my GPS is going crazy in my ear because I took a different route than it wants me to. <laughs> but anyways, this is your child and your family member and you know what's best for them. So don't let anyone tell you otherwise. You are a strong encourager and you are empowered to do this. And if you don't believe it, you need to start telling yourself. I mean, if that means you got to put some Joyce Myers on in the morning just to get yourself going, go put some Joyce Myers on. She's got a free app, JoyceMyers.org, and she's got a free app on there. If you need some encouraging empowerment for the day, then you go listen to that because you are no different than any of the rest of us, and you are just as powerful and strong as you want to be. So sometimes it is exhausting, and sometimes i got to take a nap in the middle of the day, and I will tell you... I don't do 20-minute naps. My body, it takes me that long to get to sleep. So, I usually end up as a two-hour nap, which is insane because it takes such a huge chunk out of my day. But if I got to take a nap, that's what I got to do. So, so, just know that you are strong enough to do it. You need to trust your instincts. And regardless what the medical providers say, you know your child best. So, and if you don't like what someone tells you, go get a second opinion. Go get a third of opinion. A third opinion. I mean, my child was diagnosed at age four with um, ADHD, ODD, bipolar. I'm sorry, no, she wasn't diagnosed with bipolar before, excuse me. ADHD, ODD. And they did test her for Asperger's. I'm going to say this is more of a lack of knowledge um, that wasn't spread to the West Coast. Than efforts because I I wholeheartedly wholeheartedly believe that the people that were evaluating her did the best they could with what they had and I I cannot fault them for it I will never I will never ever ever blame them for it because I believe they did the best they could with what they had um, however because she was misdiagnosed she was mismedicated because she was mis because they didn't realize that these symptoms. From this medication tr could trigger something else um, you know this now has blown up into a much larger issue for my child because of that I don't know if it would have been easier without the bipolar kicking in until her 20s or not I don't know but when a family history is all late you know and I said something I did say something when a four-year-old has a manic reaction to a medication and has a ginormous meltdown you ask questions wait a minute this isn't normal. Why is this medication causing this problem? It's completely the opposite of what it's supposed to cause. Then, you know, to have a, drug, a doctor, I just trusted my doctors at that point. And they just brushed it off and said, well, you know, sometimes that just happens. We'll go ahead and try another medication. Well, that's not acceptable. And, that, and, and I, I think parents with younger children have a harder time with this because we still don't know what's going on. Um, we're still in the diagnosis process. And because my daughter was misdiagnosed at such a young age, and it was completely brushed under the, the rug at that point as a possibility, that's where the, the mismedication happened, which then, you know, you're giving a sensory sensitive child narcotic medications when they're not ADHD, you're, you're really causing a big problem. 
So there's a reason why we don't want people taking narcotic medications out there, especially Concerta and some of these other things that go rampant around colleges while they're trying to study because it messes with the brain chemistry and it causes problems. And if there's an underlying mental health problem that they're already a risk factor for, it could trigger something nasty. And that's what happened to my kid. So don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to point fingers and don't be afraid to get second opinions. You know, my kid wasn't diagnosed with autism until she was 11 years old. She was 11. And that is a disgrace because we didn't have the right providers to do those evaluations when my child was young. It had nothing to do with the providers I had because, again, I, I loved our doctors then. And I had doctors that would research everything. And they were as thorough as they could possibly be. But if that's not your if that's not your field, if that's not your repertoire, there is no way you're gonna know that a duck is a duck if you think it's a bird. It's still a bird, but if you don't know what a duck is, you know, <laughs> you're not gonna figure out it's called a duck. It's not your job. So anyway, I, I mean kind of getting off topic but I just I really really want you to understand that you are the parent you live with the child you live with the um, dependent that you're taking care of and you know if something is not right trust your gut trust your instinct and honestly when it boils down to it if you still don't know and you're still just not feeling right you've had second third fourth opinions and something just isn't rubbing you right you better get down on your knees and you pray about it. Either God give me peace about this or show me what it is. Give me the person that I need. Just show me what it is. And I promise you, it will happen. You just need to ask for help. God says in the Bible that he will give you wisdom if you ask for it. If you want wisdom, you ask for it. Trust your gut. Pray over your child. You are there for a purpose. I believe wholeheartedly that having a child with disabilities like this helped me find my purpose. If you had asked me when I was, you know, 14, 15 years old what I wanted to do, I would have told you I had no idea. I just want to be a soccer mom. I had no career goals and ambitions. It's not that I didn't want to go to college and do anything. I just didn't know what I really had passion for. Well, sometimes, you know, we don't have passion because it takes a little life experience to develop it. And I can tell you my life hasn't been the easiest. I've made foolish mistakes myself. I've been through terrible situations. But ultimately, through my situations, God has developed a passion in my stomach and right down in my belly. I have a passion for parents of children with special needs and family members caring for folks with special needs. Um, that is my passion. That is my love. Because I know the pain and the struggle. I have a passion for education. I have a passion for knowledge. I don't want to be a teacher. I mean, I know people that are teachers. I think they're great. I love my kids, but I don't really love other people's. <laughs> Sometimes they can be just a little too much. <laughs> so I can handle a, a smidge amount of other people's kids, but then I'm happy to hand them back at the end of the day. But, um, you know, so I have a passion, but 
I have a different kind of passion. I feel like it's important to spread knowledge. I feel like it's important to empower people, to encourage people, and to build them up so that they can do what they need to do and be the best possible version of themselves. So I, um, excuse me. So God put this on my heart to do this podcast, and I honestly had no idea what I was going to talk about or what I was going to do, but. This has been going on for eight months now, and finally, you know, I I felt like I was supposed to talk about my own experience, my own journey, my own um, testimony with my life, and um, share it with you. So, if you have anything you would like to share, if you want to share your story, if you want to ask questions, if you just want some encouragement, you are more than welcome to email me. My email address is simply, S-I-M-P-L-Y, my name, which is E-L-L-E, G is in George, F is in Frank, at gmail.com. So please feel free to email me anything you would like. Um, I can share it on the podcast if you'd like. If you don't want me to share it, please specifically say that. Um, I can share it anonymously. I'm Whatever works for you. Um, but I just want you to know that my whole intention with this is to build you up and encourage you. Being in this type of, I don't want to say situation, but this type of lifestyle is incredibly isolating. And I know how difficult it is to get to parent groups, to get to support groups. You know, everybody wants you to go to their group, but I don't have time to go to your group. I got a million other things to do and you know I gotta sleep too so right now my journey is also been self-care myself so again I will talk about that next week and I'm I'll actually let you know where I'm at at in my journey but um, please know that this is my passion this is my love and I just want to be here for people and support y'all the best way I can and the, the best way I know how at this time is to be available and to share my story so please feel free to send me whatever you like again my email address is simply l which is spelled e-l-l-e g-f which is george frank at gmail.com so please 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 let me know what you'd like to know anyway y'all have a great day and i hope you can find beauty through your ashes as well